back tomorrow Taking all that I can stand Throw the weight of the world From the palm of your hand Gather round the fire Together we will rise Keep your feet on the ground Keep your eye on the prize Good morning, you're listening to Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie Every Friday here on 1150 AM KKNW I'll be introducing you to fascinating people Fun places to visit And activities that are guaranteed to lift your spirits And that is Clint McEwen It is Perfect for uh, full swing in the summer right now. He's back in town. Yeah. He will be at Soul Food uh, Coffee House tonight in Redmond, and he'll also be at Derby Days tomorrow. And I go to my memories. A year ago, he played on Camino Island with me. Yeah. We've had him in the studio a couple times, too. He's an amazing man. Check out uh, his yeah. music. Mm-hmm. Clint McEwen. Uh, let's see. I didn't sleep all night. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't sleep. Yeah, I, I wonder why. And then all of a sudden, my the earth shook. Under your feet, get the move. Sorry, this is an old Carol King song. Sing some more, like it. No, nah, I don't know the rest <laughs> of it. It's before my time, but regardless, All I know is that woke me up. Yep. I, I'm glad that I'm not crazy. It really yeah. Uh, seems like the Seattle area was rocked by not one but two. Uh, one being the largest of like 4.6. Uh, yeah. So it's been the the buzz of the town so far. I've been in four. I don't know how many actually I've been in. One was on the trestle, and I thought people were flashing their lights at me, <laughs> but it was just bouncing up and mm-hmm. down. And I remember one, I was at a grocery store, and somebody started, like, uh, shaking. I thought they were shaking the, the, the counters shelf? and stuff. Oh, yeah, I was like, what are you doing? It was like a wine going to fall over it's the place. It's a special for the day. And the guy goes, it's an earthquake, Dina. I'm like, I'm out of here. <laughs> but that was my earthquake As stories. As you run out with your free groceries at that point. I just told everyone to go just... outside, and they're all looking at me like, this is nothing. This is, in L.A., yeah. this is, like, nothing. So. Yeah. We're, we're all good here in Seattle. And let's see. I'm going to – Jeannie's coming to town. Jeannie from Dolphin Test Wellness Great. Center, Kauai. Cool. I'm going to see her next week. Mm-hmm. She's going on a cruise. Fantastic. And I'm going to bring up Kauai because two years ago I was staying at Dolphin Touch after my bike ride. I was sitting there and I opened the place up and this woman was sitting outside, a beautiful woman, and her name was Dawn McDaniel. And she started coming and doing healing with me and taking some classes. And we got to know each other pretty well and she told me about a story of her she started taking antibiotics i believe and then somehow it ended up with her taking benzodiazepines which ended her up having um her being put in a psych ward for all these things that just hit her and she never knew it was coming and she tells her story but at the time i really didn't know what a benzodiazepine was now i really know what it is and joining us this morning is angie peacock good morning angie good morning Angie's been on the show. She was on the show in April, and I invite all of you to go to the archives and listen to that show because we're going to talk a little bit about her history, but that goes into it in detail. But yesterday, what was yesterday? Yesterday was World Benzodiazepine Awareness Day, the fourth annual. And like I said, I have now I know I have friends that are on it, or I've been with people coming off of them, and I never knew what a benzodiazepine was. Can you give us, so that listeners who've never heard that word, some heads up on what it is? Sure. So it's a class of drugs that are used to commonly treat um, anxiety, insomnia, maybe a little pain. I've heard them prescribed for things like dry eye, muscle spasm, you know, just kind of anything that calms your anxiety. Most of the time they're given for like airplane rides. You know, you take one on the way there, one on the way back. Uh, people take them for dentist appointments. You can get it before anesthesia. 
say that you're calm before they, you know, start their procedures or whatever. So they're good in the short term, but when they're prescribed long term is when you have a problem. And um, some of the names are Ativan, Lorazepam, Valium. The generic name is Alp. No, not Alprazolam. I was there's so many names. There is Valium, Ativan, Clonopin, Xanax. The generic names are Alprazolam, Diazepam, Lorazepam, and Clonazepam. So if it ends in Pam, chances are you're probably on a benzo. And aren't some benzo for short. And aren't some sleep sleep aids? Yeah, sleep aids. They're called D drugs. Are closely related to benzos, and those are like Vanessa, Ambien. Those start with a Z, so Zolpidem. Um, those drugs. They all like work on the nervous system at the GABA A receptor. So that just means it calms down the entire nervous system, the entire body. So if you take these drugs for long term, what happens is those receptors stop producing that chemical on their own, and you become dependent on the drug. And dependence is a lot different than addiction. It doesn't mean, like, people crave it, they get euphoric. It's actually the opposite. Most people that I know that are long-term, they want off of it, but they can't get off of it. They feel horrible if they miss a dose, so they do enter a state of withdrawal, but it's not because they were misusing their medication. All these people have been taking it prescribed. And addiction from benzos is kind of rare, actually. And so when's the first time you took one? The first time I took one was um, I was medevaced from Iraq after uh, getting extremely sick uh, with, like, some kind of gastrointestinal type thing. And uh, when I was medically evacuated to Lanschluss, Germany, the day after, my convoy was hit. And so I had to watch my soldier come back hurt, and he got had to get surgery. And when he came out of surgery, he was in the recovery, I went and talked to him, and he told me, like, basically what happened, and he got really upset. And at that moment, I just kind of cracked, like, I cannot, you know, because, like, my entire time in Iraq felt like a near-death experience. And then uh, coming back and seeing him hurt, it was just like I just could not, you know, like, keep it all in anymore, I guess. So I saw the sign for psychiatry, and I thought, that's what you're supposed to do for help. So I went down, asked for help, and the help came in a form of one pill of, or, you know, one prescription of clonopin, clonopin, clonazepam, that's the generic name. And it helped you right away, or? I don't. Honestly, I remember getting worse right away. Okay. But they told me that worseness was, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder is what I had. But now I'm kind of confused, like, how much of it was, you know, really post-traumatic stress disorder, because no doubt I have it, but how much of it was, like, adverse reaction to that drug, and that it was, like, doing damage from the first pill I took, making everything worse. And after which. It's not a far stretch because the VA now has evidence that taking a benzodiazepine when you have post-traumatic stress disorder actually worsens post-traumatic stress and makes your likelihood of dying by suicide like 2.5 times more likely. Which is epidemic right now. Yes, and there's countless veterans on this drug, this class of drugs right now. So after you took that drug, did it cause side effects where you took other drugs? Yes. So then what happened to me was called polypharmacy. You take one drug, you go back to the doctor, the doctor says, like, how are you doing? And then I say, I don't know, my anxiety is really bad. And now, you know, I have headaches, and I also have pain in my back. And so that basically turned into 17 medications within a year and a half. So I went from one prescription of clonopin to 17 by 2005. 
and 17. So that means you're taking a pill every hour because some of them I'm sure you take twice a day. Yeah, it was, I don't, I mean, it was like somewhere three times a day, somewhere four times a day. One was, you know, for just for sleep. Another one was for my stomach, maybe once a day. You know, this for migraines, this for pain. That's when I, you know, had a run-in with um, opioids. They were giving out like candy back then. I was part of the opiate epidemic before it was ever such a thing. You know, the doctor prescribes them, you take them. And you, that's, you know, next thing you know, you now are on 17 medications. And what was your life like back then? Oh, my God. It was a nightmare. I didn't leave the house for about four years. I probably didn't shower for 14 days at a time. I stayed in the house. Like, if I left the house, it was to go to a doctor's appointment um, to pick up groceries quickly at midnight at Walmart. It was... Uh, you know, I wasn't enjoying life. I wasn't spending time with friends. I was not, I didn't have friendships. I didn't care about family, relationships, anything. And of course, like, you know, we, it's just a sad thing that we get labeled as like mentally ill. And like, if you, I hate that word. I hate what it means. I hate the way that we other people that have any kind of problem that's not go to work, buy a, you know, buy a $400,000 house and have a nice life. Like, I, it was very isolating, you know, and I'm sure people just thought I was crazy or something. But what I needed was a friend and love and hope, not medication. And and understanding, which, again, remember two yeah. years ago, I I didn't know what benzodiazepines were. I had a friend going through stuff, and I just realized I at the break before we started, I had a friend a while back that she was taking some medication, and she decided to drink on them. And her personality changed. And, and, and then all of a sudden, the people that you're close friends don't want to hang out with you anymore because they don't understand what's going on. I think, I really think that because the war was kind of new, I don't even remember a family member asking me, like, how are you? Like, I don't think anybody knew how to interact with me, which just speaks to, like, in general. It doesn't mean that it's war specific. I think that people don't know how to talk to each other, especially now in a cell phone age. Like, we don't even know how to say, like, how are you really doing? Mm-hmm. Not like, how's the weather? But, like, sit down and talk to me and let's talk about it. That's what I needed, you know? And so what? basically what that, what that did was because I got help in the wrong form, it led to, like, 13 years of medication, of therapy, of inpatient treatment, of outpatient treatment, suicidal ideation. You know, it led me on this path that took me away from myself. And I feel, honestly, I'm still very angry about it, and I feel kind of robbed. You know, like, I bought into this whole go-get-help thing and, like, look at the help I got. Like, there was times I dealt with homelessness. You know, I couldn't work, so I've been taken out of the, um, you know, ability to, like, make an earning, you know, make a living. My 30s were gone, you know, from just not caring. I didn't have a partner, you know, nothing. Like, I lost my sexuality, my femininity, all that stuff in that, in that process. And, like, there's no help for that. Like, let's help you get back what you lost. You know, I'm, I'm now 40. It was, so a, it was I, a numbness. I do have a, a deep yeah, numbness. numbness. Like, yes, for sure. And, and now, you know, you're doing, we're going to get to how amazing you are. But through the years, you, you've been getting off of them, and you've been yeah. reintroducing yourself to you. I'm trying. It's so hard. So basically, like, during all those years, there was something inside of me, like, Hmm. Like I started getting skeptical and like, it was a very, very, very small voice, but it first started, I remember because I 
the doctor asked me, like, you know, how are you doing or whatever? And I was like, well, I don't feel anything good. I only feel anxiety, depression, sadness, grief. I'm tired. Like, I don't feel any good feelings. And I, I, I remembered what, like, having good feelings, like, when I was in the Army and stuff. So, like, in the not-so-distant future, I once had feelings. Now I don't. So, like, the thing about medication is it doesn't just numb your bad feelings. It numbs everything. It's not just selective. It's, I have a friend that calls them smart bombs. Like, medications are not smart bombs. They don't just go to the center where, you, where they, you know, hypothesize you have a problem because nobody knows that for sure. It, like, numbs your whole life, you know. So, um, anyway, so there was, like, this voice, like, I want to know where did my good feelings go, you know. And so I think I found a psychiatrist. I'll never forget it. He said, I'm a psychiatrist who doesn't believe in psychiatry. And he said, if I can get you a bed, can I take you off some of these medications? And he was upset, like, who put you on all this crap? And I'm like, you guys did. I mean, I just listened to what she said, you know? And now I feel stupid for listening, but I was listening to my doctors. So he got me a bed in the hospital. They took me off of, like, 10 of those medications overnight. Of course, I hallucinated. I, you know, I was just a zombie for about 30 days. Um and then uh, I'd say a couple years later, I wanted off another one and another one. And I said, can I, but can we just taper this one? Can we taper the next one? And I didn't, I don't really think I, even in hindsight, I really knew what I was doing. I just was like, something was guiding me to just slowly get off all these things, you know? And then I saved some, I tried to get off of Fexor and I could not. Like I skipped a day, my heart went erratic. My, it was like my breathing and my heart rate were not in sync. They were two doing two different, completely different things. Went to the emergency room. They tested me for everything. They couldn't find anything. The doctor said, can I give you a Valium? And I said, no, I'm trying to get off this crap. I don't want more drugs. Like, stop, you know? It's like every turn was, here's a drug, here's a drug. I don't want any more, you know? So then I switched to Cymbalta. I couldn't get off Cymbalta. It took me like two and a half years to get off of Cymbalta. And then I saved that benzodiazepine for last. And that is what almost killed me. Of all those drugs that I tapered over the years, that was the benzo. Especially the 10 at one time? Yeah, I didn't, I, I think I was, I think I was pretty okay. After, after those 10, I started getting involved in like 12-step groups, going to spirituality things, learning about like Reiki and shamanism and dream circles. I was doing all kinds of stuff. Like the agoraphobia started lifting, you know, the benzodiazepines like threw me to hell. So I just can't even, you know, but each drug, if you, there's, if you go on Facebook, this is probably really helpful to listeners. You go on Facebook and type in a drug. It doesn't matter. Just pick one. You could type in Lamictal or Effexor or Cymbalta. There is a drug support group for your drug. There's usually one group of people that are just getting on it, that like it, that feel improvement. And then there's another group of people going through hell. And the problem is, is you don't know which group you're going to fit in. Is it going to work for you? Is it not? Do they even tell you it might not work? Do they even tell you it might increase your risk of suicide? Do they tell you you're going to have a horrible time coming off? Do they even give you an endpoint? So, like, I'm not anti-medication. I'm like, you need to know all of this before you put the first one in your mouth. I did not know that. Now I know it the hard way. Well, and, and we I know. I lost 13 years. And yeah. I know, too. Like, I, I would have someone say, well, just don't take your medication now. I know what the word tapering means, and I know how important it is to do it slowly and to find a doctor that will support you on your journey. And I love that you found a psychiatrist who was not into psychiatry. And I know a friend who actually had a psychiatrist said, you know, we're not going to prescribe any more drugs for you. 
that's amazing because most like drugs come from a doctor and that's usually what they they're taught to do is prescribe and send you home but here's the part that makes me sad is when someone goes home and they're taking a medication and they live alone no one sees the gradual change you know and over a, a time period if you're taking 12 to 17 medications Nobody even knows who you are anymore. And you might even make new friends yeah. and they think that's who you are where really you're you're not. And so I think the most important thing is when you taper is to be around other people so they can help you through it. I really like that that you said that because in hindsight, I did not have anybody around me. I had my sister maybe here and there, but my parents were not really involved. I don't have a partner. So it was very much me on my own. And that process, it's almost like so slow that you change. It's imperceptible. And then one day you wake up and you're like, what the hell happened to my life? And you it was just yeah. so slow that I didn't notice. But, I mean, I noticed things like I blew up in weight. When I got out of the Army, I was like 110 pounds, and I was at 230 on all these drugs. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was double my body size, you know? And, and people could double. notice that. That's noticeable. Yeah, and then, you, yeah. I, I, I'm having a... A real problem with life right now anyways because you're right people aren't taking the time to say how are you feeling and spending enough time to realize that this person when I do a session sometimes it's over an hour or two because right at that hour point I don't say your time is up because that's when that's when the the stuff comes out because they feel comfortable enough to be themselves so I just love the fact that you know I'm taking more time to be with people and I'm really tired of texting, by the way. But anyways, yeah. taking the time to be with the, the ones you love, especially if you see them changing or gaining a lot of weight or they're not going out anymore. But yeah. you are an amazing person. And I want to talk a little bit more about what you've been doing after our break. You're listening to Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie. Stay tuned. Gather around the fire. Together we will rise. Keep your feet on the ground. Keep your eye on the prize. Oh. Curious about whales in the Pacific Northwest? Orca Network's Langley Whale Center celebrates and shares the lives of gray whales, orcas, and other marine mammals of the Salish Sea. The Langley Whale Center is a project of Orca Network, a nonprofit that is based on Whidbey Island. The Langley Whale Center gives Orca Network the opportunity to have a public presence to share the excitement about the whales and marine mammals who are our neighbors. The Whale Center in Langley gives visitors and residents alike a chance to learn more about the endangered southern resident orcas who visit our area and about the North Puget Sound gray whales, a small unique population of gray whales who find sustenance in the waters of Saratoga Passage and Possession Sound each March through May. Check out the Orca Network and Lingley Whale Center on Facebook for the latest whale sightings, educational programs and events or visit orcanetwork.org for more information. You'll be glad you did. Overlooking the Puget Sound, Comforts of Whidbey is a family-run winery, farm, and bed and breakfast that is a perfect place to stop, sip, and stay. They produce artesian whites from grapes grown on their farm, as well as a few Washington State Reds and two sparkling wines. Their tasting room is a relaxing setting to have a glass of wine while enjoying the tranquility of Whidbey Island. For more information and tasting hours, go to comfortsofwhitby.com or stop by for a visit. You'll be glad you did. Elger Bay Grocery has been locally owned and operated by the same family for over 25 years. They're located at the south end of Camano Island at the intersection of Mountain View and Elger Bay Road and is less than two miles away from the Camano Island and Kama Beach State Parks. 
Terrace Kitchen at Elder Bay Grocery offers burgers, local craft beers on tap, sub sandwiches, pizza, live music, and free Wi-Fi for customers to stay connected while enjoying their affordable and family-friendly dining. Stop by to refuel the car or even treat the kids to a hand-scooped ice cream cone. For more information, visit elderbaygrocery.com. That's E-L-G-E-R baygrocery.com. Or like Elger Bay Grocery on Facebook. It's always a great day at Elger Bay. Crabbing season is here. Stop by Elger Bay Grocery for all your gear you will need. They have licenses, pots, bait, and ice. Are you a beginner? Well, Elger Bay has a staff that can give you all the information you will need to get started. Happy crabbing and see you on Camano Island. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back. You're listening to Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie. And joining me this morning is Angie Peacock. Welcome back, Angie. Hello. You lift my spirits. You lifted mine. (laughs) (laughs) All I know is I thank you. Thank you, Dawn, for uh, connecting us. And, you know, you have done amazing things and you are off your benzos. You're off all your medication now. Yes. Three and and a half years. And you still have major side effects. Oh, yes. I live with, like, pretty bad vision problems, perception problems. Like, I have no depth perception. Things, everything looks like kind of like a fun house. Things are warped. Um, I have some pretty high-level anxiety that I did not have before, but it feels like physical. Um, Just, like, really strange neurological problems, basically. And do you think over time it will heal? I would say... It's hard to believe that, but the evidence that I've been living is I have improved. Like I would say, you know, if I, when I started this journey, I probably had a 30% feeling of well being. Now it's like maybe 70 or 80%. So I feel like I have maybe 30 more percent to heal. But so the evidence is that I have been healing is just very, very slow. And then someone told me like the brain heals in months and years, not in weeks. So like this is just a really long process. Over time. And during this, you had some supportive people in your life, and um, you continued going to school. Yeah. Against my better judgment, I continued to go to school. But part of it was because I was just so mad. Like, how how, how is this even happening? Like, I don't know. I just, I just became skeptical of everything. Like, is this really what mental health is, that we just put people on drugs, and then they become a shell of who they are, and, like, we call that improvement? So I, I just wanted to figure it out. So I got a bachelor's in psychology. I went super part-time because I was really disabled back then, okay? Like, I wasn't leaving my house. I couldn't be around people. So <clears throat> I chose, like, a classroom size. of like, four people in my classroom, and I went twice a week, and then I took an online class. And it took me, like, eight years to finish school because I was just so cognitively not there, you know? But then I went to social work school. I got a master's in social work. I just finished. I'm actually just finishing up my clinical hours. I have two more months to go. But part of it was, like, what is wrong with me? Like, I want to know what's wrong with me. But I also want, like, to help other people. But I'm starting to come to the conclusion conclusion that, like, there's nothing wrong with any of us. Like, whatever we're doing is completely normal for the situation that we find ourselves in. So, like, things don't just land on you and, like, oh, you have anxiety. No, there's probably something in life that's giving you, you know, making you anxious, and that's a chance to turn inward and to like figure it out 
or outward and be like, I'm going to quit this job that gives me anxiety or leave this partner that is being abusive to me. You know, I don't think it's just the burden of the individual. There's a lot more going on than that. And if your job's giving you anxiety or whatever you're doing and then you take a pill and you continue going to work, you're still going to have the under... That's what PTSD is, right? Is that underlying thing that we can't hold... Get I do healing work and and with hypnotherapy, you know, there's that one thing and, and most people don't know what it is. And when they figure out what it is, then they can do something about it. But it's almost like cleaning out your closets. You got to go back a little bit to go forward. And sometimes, well, sometimes it's always painful and it, and it doesn't yeah. feel good. And then, you know, then you, you clean out that closet. And then I've had people have 25 closets, you know, and then eventually that closet's clean and they can live here in the present moment. And that's totally. when you can deal with the emotions that are happening right in front of you. But usually it's the stuff like, again, like we were kids, don't cry, you know, do this. And it's accumulative. And I don't think any drug can stop you from having that energy wanting to rise up, if that makes sense. That's PTSD to me is that energy has to rise up. And a lot of people say, like, you know, they need medication to um, help them process things. And, okay, yes. And like I said anti-medication i want people to learn about the effects of medication what's going to happen when you're done with the therapy process you want to come off of the medication is this a forever thing you know before you put that burst in your mouth so if that's going to be what you need to do to cope with your stuff that's what you that's that's your own body's autonomy i'm not here to tell you don't take drugs okay even though i've had a horrible experience and i'm scared to death when i see other people on them that's my own trauma, though, and I don't want to put that on other people. But at the same time, I have to tell you from lived experience that being on all those medications for so many years, I finally got the opportunity to go to Arlington National Cemetery and just look at the gravity of the war that I was in and see all the headstones and stand by people that I know. And I had a realization while standing there that, like, I didn't even get to grieve because I was so medicated. So, like, like I said earlier that you know, the medication doesn't just work on one thing. It numbs everything. So it also kind of can rob you of things that you need to do and need to process. Like it's not just a, you know, and how deeply can you process when you're on something? I don't know. Have you I seen, just know. Have you seen the movie you know, Still Magnolias? Not in a long time. The only reason I love the scene at the very end, her, her daughter dies and she loses it at the funeral. She loses it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah. God bless her because that's going to make her grieve. You know, it's yeah, it's it's, it's ugly when you cry and you you totally. emote and and people want everyone to be so contained. You know, yeah. nobody wants. I remember a time I wasn't supposed to cry at work. Maybe something like nine eleven happened. It made me sad. Okay, yeah, <laughs> you know, totally. But it's normal. Yeah, it's normal to feel. And I think you should feel sad. Look at those two year olds stomping their feet, running around crying, and then getting up and smiling and dancing. I mean, that's the human experience, yeah. and I really love that you know parents that i go to my grandson's baseball game and the boys cry you know at seven it's okay the dad hugs them you know but what happens later on yeah those boys don't get a cry and that's something i've learned coming off medicine like i have to i don't i don't have an there's no doctor that's going to fix my neurological damage okay there's no pill for me to take to like take any of this away so the one thing i've learned well a couple things i've learned is like i have to live in the present moment like at all times like, when I'm freaking out and I'm anxious and I can't drive to, you know, school or whatever, like, I have to live in this moment and, like, know that it's going to be okay. You're not going to die. You know, like, it's just anxiety or it's just a visual problem. It's not dangerous. You know, things like that. But then I also learned, like, 
it's okay to feel everything. And like, that's, I mean, if you want to be human, you want to feel everything. You don't want to just feel certain things and be selective about it. And how do you, how do you feel like the beauty of like the wrinkles in a man's face? If you can't feel the pain of losing somebody, like I want to feel all of it. I don't want to feel muted and like numb to everything anymore. So like, it's painful. Like it's really painful. There's been days where I just laid in bed and just howl, like almost like a primal, you know, like visceral, I don't know, like animal suffering pain that I felt, you know, and it's like heartbreaking. The amount of suffering I had endured to get off all those medications, but like, I want to feel everything now. I don't want to, I don't want to be numb. Like it's not a good place to be. And I mean, when you feel everything, you see like, there's a lot of stuff wrong in this world. There's like climate change is happening, whether you believe that or not, you know, um, animals and just, you get just this empathy comes back that I felt like I didn't have for a long time. And we just had a, a I'm into whales. I love whales. And, um, another one just passed away and you know i'll go out like you and you'll make those sounds because you're sad you know and and it's painful and then you get it out and then you get up like you you use ire to move forward like you were mad enough to keep going to school so you could learn more so now you can help other people i mean you can take the ire or the anger but it's it's also good to cry and feel and and i love what you said about living in the present moment that is the key to life because when my blood pressure goes sky high it's because i'm thinking about something i have no control over and then my face turns bright red and i'm like shut up dina live in the present moment right you're here and now this is where the power is and even i think that's another thing is that like i don't want to say that you know present moment is the cure to everything because For me, it's been activism. Like, I had to use that something about what is happening. So I think we, especially in our culture, we're just kind of, we feel helpless because, like, these problems are so big and huge. But, like, if I can talk on your radio show and one person hears it, like, I made a change. You know what I mean? You've already changed my life (laughs) a lot. (laughs) But I think we all have the power, you know, and it's like you got to use that anger and that pain and the suffering to do something. Like, the whole world thinks can't do anything and that's why we're here like you can do so i don't care what it is if it's pick up a trash in your neighborhood or smile at somebody open the door like just do something please and, and you, you started a, it's a mentorship or but i don't know you're with other vets at school yeah so it so what happened was um in my search of okay the meds are not gonna help me as much as i thought they were so like what am i what else can i find there was a program called Wounded Warrior Project. They're a national organization for veterans that were injured on or after September 11, 2001. And I became a part of that organization because post-traumatic stress was my wound. Okay, and, you know, my other minor issues. But basically, uh, through, that, through them, they chose me to be a peer mentor. And I was like, well, really? Like, I don't think I have anything to benefit. Because remember, I was, like, feeling really broken, depressed, agoraphobic, highly medicated at this time. But for them to see something in me that thought I could help another person, like, really changed my life, you know? So I started mentoring veterans one-on-one, mostly with the same post-traumatic stress issues that I had. We just find new things to do, and I got really engaged in their program. So I did, like, equine therapy I was able to do EMDR therapy through them. They paid for it so that I didn't, because they don't offer that at the VA. Um, I did, like, bicycle riding. They helped me get a personal trainer another time. I did, like, 5K walks and stuff like that, 
runs. So like there was all these other approaches to trauma rather than just medication. And that that's how I got really engaged with them. And I, I just love them to death. They saved my life more than once, you know. Just, they were wonderful. And don't you think being with other vets, I mean, you're helping them, but it, it, it's, 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 it's both ways. Like, I love to yeah. volunteer, but I think everybody needs a tribe or a group. And then when they can understand because they've been there, that's so yeah. important. And, and, I mean, that's kind of what we were talking about earlier, like that human connection thing. I, I think when I think about, like, people that deal with mental health issues of any kind, it's like we in some way are not being validated in our own life. We're not feeling connected to other human beings. You know, there's something missing socially, almost always. Like, our parents aren't hearing, you know, our pain. Our partner doesn't listen when we're trying to talk and we're not listening to them. You know, all these things. So being back around veterans that were struggling with the same thing for me from that I was, were like, was life-changing. Like, oh, my God, I'm not alone in my feeling. Like, because those feelings can be so isolating. And I don't know. It's just, it's so important. Like, I, I really feel like the cure to mental health is not to, like, give your autonomy over to some professional who thinks that they know they're the expert in your life, and they're the expert on trauma, and they're going to fix you overnight. Because, listen, I did 14 years of therapy going on 15 because I'm still in it because it's hard for me to just let go. But it's also, I'm still processing a lot of things. You know what I mean? But, like, we cannot expect some mental health industry with pharmaceutical backing to cure us. Like, listen, I tried. I've tried everything. I've tried. You want me to list some things I've tried? Sure. <laughs> oh, cognitive processing therapy, prolonged exposure therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy, um, internal family systems, retreat, horseback riding, yoga, meditation, mindfulness, church, 12 steps. Like, I have tried so many things. And had some of those things helped me, heck yeah, I wouldn't be here right now. But, like, mostly it was me finding what worked for me. And that is the most important thing. So, like, I think, I don't know, I think often we just think, go to them for help. Like, a friend starts talking to you, they get really deep, and they're really suffering. You're like, oh, my God, I don't know how to handle this. Go find a professional to help you. It's like we just pass each other off. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how to handle that. Go to somebody. Which is fine if you need to go to somebody for a little while. But we do, you know, we do have the power within each other to help each other, too. Do you think that that there were little miracles along the way? Oh, yeah there's people that just showed up that said one sentence or said you need to read this book or go listen to this person and it was like this long maze of trying to find my own self and trying to find my own healing where is it and you know at a certain period horse therapy changed my life because I had civilians in my life asking me you know or like praising me for doing good things with the horse and they weren't asking me like what symptoms do you have do you need the medication for that you know, so like those certain things at those certain periods completely, you know, just help me find, go back to myself. Mm-hmm. It's like, what's that, what's that story about the breadcrumbs? There's some fable about like, you have to leave a trail of breadcrumbs behind you to go find them. And in some way, I feel like all those little things were breadcrumbs along the way. Well, and I, I work with a lot of kids. I mentor them and those uh, eight-year-olds that they want to label with all these initials are usually highly creative amazing kids who who can't sit still but they turn out to be musicians and artists and I mentored one and he's been on the show he's 21 now I believe and he's a musician and he's playing music and his mom chose not to do the medication and I think the being an individual and being um, accepted for who you are and being able to feel and emote is really if we had a school about that 
I think yeah. the whole world would change, but or let them talk, let them speak, let them have a, an opinion, you know. So yeah. it, it's really there's so much going on here, and you've done so many things. And and right now, uh, yesterday was a benzodiazepine awareness day. Yep, you got it. And you were on um, Facebook, and you were talking, and you, you, I just like was so excited to see so many people using their voice and talking about their experience. That in itself is healing. To be able totally. to tell your story and have other people listen. So we're going to take one more break and we're going to talk about a movie that you have coming out. You're listening to Lift Your Spirits. Stay tuned. Don't turn away. No. Don't go back. Next train's coming down the track. Wherever you are. Join Misty Thompson, intuitive spiritual life coach, and best-selling author Sunday, July 28th, 5 to 7 p.m. at the East-West Bookshop for her workshop, Using Your Intuition to Guide You Towards Healing. You will learn how to trust and believe that you too can use your intuition to guide you towards healing any part of your life. Tapping into your intuition takes practice, but when you do open yourself up, it can become transformative and a lasting way to heal. Register at eastwestbookshop.com. talking about writing songs with Mr. Van Conner. Well, I'm happy to say that our album is out now. It's called Coming Back Again, and it features songs like Legacy of Green, Silent Universe, and the title track Coming Back Again. Our album Coming Back Again is now available for streaming and purchase at your favorite online retailer, including iTunes, Amazon, Apple Music, Spotify, and many more. Go to dina-marie.com. That's dina-marie.com for a full list of retailers. Watching the sunrise, an ocean stands between us. Look into the sky. Think of second chances. Look into the past. A thousand miles between us. Tune in to Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie every Friday, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Alternative Talk, 1150. You will be introduced to fascinating people, discover fun places to visit, and be encouraged to participate in activities that will lift your spirits. For a schedule of upcoming guests, visit liftyourspiritswithdinamarie.com. For archive shows, go to 1150kknw.com. Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie is sponsored by Seattle Natural Awakenings Magazine. Multicultural, multidimensional even. Alternative Talk 1150. Thank you for joining us this morning. Joining me is Angie Peacock. Good morning again, Angie. Good morning. I'm so psyched. Now, because let's see, like April, you're like, I have some things coming up. I might, I'm going to graduate. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. What's going to happen in that the next week? So on Tuesday is the first 
official screening, very small private screening, but screening of the film Medicating Normal, which is a documentary that follows five people, four of which came off of medications or are trying to come off, and kind of their experiences with psychiatric drugs. We have a bunch of experts in the film, people like um, Dr. David Cohen from UCLA. He wrote a book called Your Drug May Be Your Problem. We have uh, Dr. Alan Francis, who wrote the dsm 4 So it's pretty cool. The film is awesome. I haven't seen it yet. They followed me for about two years through this process, through like me wanting to die, to me graduating college, you know, feeling like I still wanted to die. But um, that's, I get to see that on Tuesday in New York City. It's a very small screening, but I'll be posting on social media if anybody wants to follow us. It's called Medicating Normal, the film. Uh, we are on all, you know, all social media networks, but check the Facebook page in particular. So that's Tuesday. <laughs> Medicating Normal, and you haven't seen it? No, I haven't seen it, and I'm wow. terrified and excited at the same time because <laughs> it's hard to look back at yourself when you were so sick. Mm-hmm. you know, from trying to come off. And I know that I said a lot of radical things and scary things as I was trying to figure out, like, what happened to me? You know, what drug did this? You know, what did they do to me? What is me? What's not me? Oh, my God, what's left? You know, it was terrifying. So, well, you know, you're it's YouTube, like waking up from a nightmare. You have a yeah. YouTube uh, channel. What's that under? I have two YouTube channels. One is about the benzodiazepine journey in particular. That one is called Healing from Benzos. Healing from is the first word, and then benzos is the last word. So it's like the first name and the last name. Healing from benzos. The second one is brand new. I just started it last week. It's called Being Me RV. (laughs) So that's funny. I know. So basically what I'm going to do is um, I'm coming to an impasse where I finish with school. I'm still pretty disabled from all of this stuff. I'm still trying to get some answers, like as far as migraine and seizure activity and stuff going on with me. But um, in November, I'm going to buy an RV and live in that for a little while and travel and talk to people and film it and write about what happened to me and write about this and do as much as I can. But mostly I just need some healing time and I need to process some of this stuff. And I'm going to do that on the YouTube channel. So follow me for that journey at Being Me RV on YouTube. And I love your Facebook page because I learn so much and I connect with other people um, telling their stories. So you, thank you for sharing what you do on your Facebook page. And, you know, thank, thank you. you for, I, just out of the blue, I called you. And then you, like, called me right back. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. so you're accessible. And then you're going to be a movie star, so I don't know. But anyways. Oh, stop. What no. I really <laughs> liked is I have seen your YouTube, and I've seen you, gosh, I've seen you change. I've seen you, I, you know, it's, it's weird. You can see it. Yeah. If you look at, like, the Wounded Warrior Project, little film I was in I was still on medications and then you like you can look at my YouTube channel and see two years later coming off of medications and then you look to now there is a huge difference and it's like it's scary for me to even see it like wow I thought I was doing great back then you know and like no I was numb look at look at your face like you weren't feeling anything and now you're feisty (laughs) now I'm like pissed off (laughs) yeah now you're you're taking action and that's the thing like when you when you're sedated, you know, and, and there are times to take medication, of course. And there are, most of the drugs are not supposed to be uh, taken for a long period of time. I remember working with someone whose doctor only kept her on because somebody died. She was depressed and then gradually took her off because at the moment it was too much for her to handle. Or like you said, flying in the anxiety. But I've also had people do hypnotherapy for that, too, which really works. And breathing right. and 
meditation and such. But in the end, they were there for a reason. But it's when we just don't know balance in our society. We just go too far and we use them maybe for all the wrong reasons. Our kids get a hold of them. They misuse them. We know for a fact, you know, all the drugs, they're using them for recreational purposes. And it's, it's so scary what's going on. And I, you know, I really do think the homelessness goes to that mental illness that at one point they started taking medication and they got off of it or, or it's just the confusion yeah, of the so whole much. thing so much yeah because you can't you can't steadily take medication and go to therapy when your housing situation is a mess mm-hmm. you know yeah it's, it's all connected all these social problems are connected totally and it might yeah. just go down to that one person you know having a bad day and someone actually taking the time to sit with them and then be yeah. able to process it instead of us rushing by and not looking at anyone anymore and you know, I, I really do think the human contact and the connection and that, that, that tribal thing yeah, is what we're missing. I totally agree. Because really, right now, the, the bill of goods that we're sold is like, go to school, get a bunch of college loans, student loans, go to work, buy a house, have a family. But like, you're running, like, all day running, running, running. People at your job don't say hi to you and like, really mean it. Like, you just pass the water cooler or something. We're staring at screens all day. You know, then we get home, we're so exhausted, we just stare at the TV, and, like, where in there is room for human connection? Mm -hmm. Like, we need it, and we crave it. If we really are quiet and listen to ourselves, like, something is not right, you know, and then that's where the anxiety and depression and all all these things come from. So that's why I always try to tell, you know, I try to teach it and show by example that, like, when I have a feeling, it's, like, information, and it's there to help me. It's not to be, like, pushed away and silenced and, like, oh, come on, you're anxious, like, I don't want to you know, you're not supposed to feel that. Stop crying. Like, no, I want to cry. I want to feel all of that. And I want to ask, like, what do you need from me? Like, I'm feeling sad right now. So, like, that, that there's meaning in that. It's not something to be pushed away, you know, but we're just so scared. And I don't know. We just distract ourselves from everything, from feeling. And then, you know, you're 65 years old, hoping that you have enough money and savings to live. And then you're just working yourself to death, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I joined a gym on Woodby Island, <laughs> and I looked mm-hmm. around. I said, what's different? They're older people. They don't have cell phones. They're all talking to each other. They, they go to the grocery store because it's a small island, a smaller, or Camino's smaller, but everybody's older, and they kind of remember, you know, how they went to church, and they stopped to talk to their neighbor, and they had a post uh, man that came to the house, and they gave him a gift at Christmas. You know, that yeah. that, that time. And so it's really about us pulling back, getting off the treadmill, looking around, and making some yeah. life changes. What what feels good to you? If you yeah. like what you're doing, stay with that as much as you can. And the other things that aren't so, um, maybe that do cause anxiety, you start putting yourself on a diet. Okay, that feels crappy, so I'm going to do that less. Oops, I use crappy, sorry. No, that's all right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, it doesn't feel good, so why do I do yeah. this daily? Because if you will continue doing something that feels bad, you're going to want to self-medicate whatever it is you know maybe it's buying too much so the whole thing is to really get in touch with yourself slow down take some time and ask yourself and you said what was missing in um, your healing in the long run was the spiritual side that that side of yourself that you can't see yeah yeah I mean I read I think during my healing process I read about 300 books and from everything from like the Tao of Pooh to conversations with God disappearance of the universe so, I mean, I explored things like The Course in Miracles, Christianity, Buddhism, you name it, Hinduism. I went to India for a little while to see, like, will that help? You know, like, I tried everything. But um, it all just kind of led me back to myself. Like, 
the answers are inside of you. If you're quiet, you can hear them. Follow your intuition. Look at the magic stuff that happens around you, you know, to try to see the universe as like a helpful place, not something that was torturing me, you know, I don't know. I I feel more like I don't need to do practices anymore, but I just, like, I just feel like it's with me all the time. You know what I mean? And I don't know what it is. I can't say it's God or mm-hmm. universe. You know, I don't know. For me, it's, and like, each one of us has our own belief system. You know, I'm not trying to push anybody on, and trust me, people have pushed their stuff on me, and I don't appreciate that, you know, but it's just like you have to find your own magic. It's there, yes. you know, just find it. And it might be nothing that we just come here to die. That's fine, too. Well, and I just, it's a small, still voice, and I know when it talks to me, because it's so short and sweet, and it's calm. <laughs> yeah, my voice right can, now. Yeah, yeah, and it'll just say, take yeah. a right when you want to go left, or, or to, to stop and talk to someone when you're in a hurry, and it, yeah. I, I can't, the, the stories of just listening to that voice, and it saved my life, too. There was a part, part when I was ready to check myself in somewhere, because I was so depressed, and that sinking feeling wouldn't go away, and mm-hmm. I, I had... It was actually Suzanne Suzanne Mitchell, who has the show, Manson Mitchell, who called me, and she'd left a message, and my voice said, call her. And she she took yeah. me through the darkness. She got me out of it. She goes, Dina, I, I imagine angels uh, wrapping their um, arms or, or their wings around you. And, I, and for some reason, that just, I felt like it happened. And I felt that my whole life changed. And then it did change. Everything that was dark opened up for a short time until it happened again, but... I found, like, for me, also exercise because it takes, I don't know what it does, but as soon as I start moving, you know, out of that space, because when I'm sitting in my own um, depression, yeah. it's like a sinking feeling. So I, like you know, rumination. Yeah. yeah, movement, like you said, take action, yeah. do something and, and support from human beings who are kind and gentle and, and lovely. And uh, yeah, I'm just so blessed yeah. that uh, Dawn connected us. Yeah, I think, <laughs> and I think it's, yeah, and I think it's partly like two things. Like, I feel depressed. So let's feel it and let's express it and let's not try to, you know, run away from it. But then also there's an action component. Like for you, exercising helps you feel it and process it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's almost like a being and a doing. Like there's a two-part thing going on there, you know. Well, And then the light goes back yeah. on and then I get the aha mm-hmm. moment and then I look up. I'm like, oh, my God, why didn't I think of that? And it's not as bad as you thought it was, you know, or it's yeah. just so I work with the chakras. So the chakras are, you know, they run through mm-hmm. your body. It's yoga. But it's that higher that thing outside yourself that if you can look up when people are getting readings with me and they look up a lot, I, I, I know they got it. But when they shake wow. their head and look down a lot, that's mm-hmm. when I know they, they need a Reiki session. They need a massage. They need to go for a walk in the woods. You know, um, yeah. kids usually look up a lot, you know, and, until they're taught not to. But. It's just kind of like that 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 thing that falls from the heavens, and it just gives you that little piece, like you said, the, the breadcrumb to keep moving forward. Yeah, keep going. Mm-hmm. And we don't know all the answers all at once, ever. No, and I don't. <laughs> I I still don't know all the answers. I wish I, did. <laughs> you know, I'd feel a lot better than I do right now, probably. But I feel I feel pretty, you know, pretty good compared to what I was feeling, you know, three years ago. I always say that like uh, a good day off, no, a bad day off meds is better than a good day on them because that's how bad it was for me, you know? And, and so, so I can handle this. I guess I, I will leave the show kind of as we're ending it is what about the woman who, or man who's thinking about taking it? Um, like the preventative thing, what's a few things that you say, who do you, who do you, what do you do when you're just right there where you think you need to take it? What can yeah, you do? First, first I would say, what else have you tried? And when I say that, I think of like a holistic view of the person. Like, what is your financial situation like? What is your uh, job situation, housing, you know, health, 
you know, what else is going on. Maybe you have a B12 deficiency or the thyroid is going, diabetes, you know, something else might be going on. What are you doing for recreation? What makes you have joy? What human connection do you have? I like think of it like a the, there's a spiral around the person, and I want to see everything. What is going? What's the full picture of happening? What's happening in the person's life? And then um, I would say, what else have you tried for this problem? You know, what have you been feeling? Who who do you feel safe with to feel that? And like I'm, I am like, look, therapy has been life saving to me. I am a therapist in training. Like I'm, that's my internship. Part of me doesn't like think it's all it's cracked up to me, but there has been extreme value of me talking to another person and them validating me back. And like that is what the curative thing is. Like evidence shows that like it's not the form of therapy, but it's the relationship between you and the other person that is healing. So like if you have to go to therapy to find that, do it. You know, I'm not please do it. I'm a fan. But um I look at all of that. I want to know everything that, that the person has done, has tried, who do they have to talk to, what do they do to express themselves, all of that. But then as far as the health literacy side goes, and I've done a little bit of, like, tried to do some advocacy around health literacy because, like, that's really what this is about. Like, what do you know about medicine? What do you know about doctors? What do you know about the process of diagnosis? Like, how was the DSM even created? You know, there's tons of information about that. What's the history of the DSM? Um, tell me the history of psychiatry, whatever, like learn about it more. So if a person wants to take a medicine, the first step I always say is to put the drug name into the Google box and add the words FDA insert and like a 45 page PDF file will pop up. And I want you to read the entire thing from page one to page 46 before you put that first pill in your mouth. And when you do that, and then you weigh that against what other things have I tried? What have I done? Um, what is my life like? What do I have control over? What can I change? What can I not change? And if after that you weigh the risks and benefits and you believe that this medication is the right choice for you, then please go ahead and do it. And that is what that is where I'm coming from. And I want to give some more contact before we lose time for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, Wait. How, I, my phone just went off and it was like angels singing, so I just had to. <laughs> it was like angels going ding, 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 ding. Okay. Contact info for you one more time in the movie. So you can, I, I think the best way for, for you to reach me is probably through YouTube. So look on YouTube for Being Me RV or Healing from Benzos. So the Benzo channel is that one. The RV channel that's up and coming is Being Me RV. On Facebook, look for Medicating Normal, the film. Twitter is the same and Instagram is the same. You can email any of those people um, and I will get the, the message. Yay. And thank you so much for having me. Thank, thank, you, thank you, you for being on my show. And you will be back after your RV trip. I will. I'll let you know how it goes. Sweet. All right. Everyone have a great weekend. Join us next week for more people, places, and activities that will lift your spirits. I can stand. Throw the weight of the world from the palm of your hand. Gather around the fire. Together we will rise. Keep your feet on the ground. Your eye on the prize. Oh, don't turn away, no, don't go back. Next train's coming.